What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to True North Talk, episode 17 of season two. In this episode, we have a very special guest joining the show. Um, but before we introduce our guest today, um, Peter, I, I know this is going to be kind of an off-the-cuff episode. We don't have a strict outline going on this. But the general topic is going to be um, overcoming some challenges you know, with mental health, whether that's depression or anxiety or some of those things. So any, any overall overarching thoughts you want to share with just what we're going to be talking about today with the audience before we inter- introduce our guests? Yeah, I think it's just an opportunity where if any of you as listeners are going through a period where you're struggling with either one of those things, anxiety or depression, I think this will be an important episode to really tune in for. Maybe if you typically listen to the podcast and you kind of just, you know, go about doing other things, maybe this would be one where you kind of sit back and and really pay attention to it. Because I think think one of the ways that we latch on to things better is when we hear a story from somebody. And so being able to hear our guest Noah's testimony today and being able to hear of his experiences and obviously Joe and I being able to give our own input from, from our own experiences and what we've learned over the years. I think this episode will be really important for that. And I think there'll be some really good things to take. And I think obviously the most important thing, and we'll get into this more throughout is just that dependence and trust on God to guide us through those, those difficulties, through those, those challenges, especially mentally to just lean on him and rely on him to lead us through those struggles every time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Peter said, you know, Noah, so Noah's our guest today, Noah Divine. I met Noah through church, um, and we're going to introduce him here in a second, but just some background info, and, and I'll give you the floor on on this, Noah, to give give the audience kind of your just who you are, your story, what you're doing in life, and uh, kind of, I guess, lead into your testimony that way. But Peter, Noah, and I are all, are all Midwestern boys. We're from Ohio. Uh, Peter's now in Omaha, Nebraska as a sports editor. Uh, me and Noah are still here in Ohio, but we, we share a, a few common interests. And Noah and I have talked about doing a, another episode in the future, potentially, and on the connection between you know faith and sports. We're all avid sports fans. We all watch college football, NFL, mm-hmm. just sports in general. Those are kind of the common threads here. So if you hear those things pop up in the conversation, it, it shouldn't be a surprise. But with that being said, Noah, do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to to the listeners and just give some background info? Yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah, first of all, thanks uh, Joe and Peter for having me on. This is a great opportunity, and I'm just glad to be able to talk with you guys about this uh, topic that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, so for listeners, yeah. uh, my name is Noah. Um, I am currently 17 years old. I reside in Ohio. Um, as Joe said, um, I am technically a senior in high school. I graduated a year early. I had all my credits. I just said, you know what, whatever. Um, but yeah, big sports guy. Um big guy uh, going to church. Um, I serve at um, the church that me and Joe go to. Um, I play on the worship team. I'm back um, in the media. I do some sound. I do video. Um, And really, my journey started in 2020 uh, when one of the guys really got connected with me, and he uh, decided, hey, um, do you want to join the team? And um, at that point, I was debating whether or not, like, religion was really something that I cared about and if it was something that I wanted to pursue in life. Um, and I'm really glad that he did reach out because now it's a big part of my life and it's one of the most important things um, for me. But um, also, yeah, I did. Don't want to interrupt you, but shout out Trevor there. Is that Trevor? Yeah, Trevor. Absolutely. Okay. That's what I shout thought. Shout out to Trevor Butch um, for kind of saving me, I guess. I don't know if you could consider saving, but um, I was on a pretty bad path and Trevor decided to pick me up, but yeah, shout out Trevor. 
So, um, so let's walk back a little bit. So that's kind of how you got started in church around 2020. So you would have been what, uh, 14 or 15 then? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, around 14, 15. And I've been attending church my entire life. I just want to make this very clear. I've, my parents drug me to church. They've been going to the church that we go to for ever. So yeah. since, I yeah, mean, no since one, it's inception back in like the nineties. I was going to say your so Noah's parents are the ones they, um, they hosted the life group that I started going to when I joined our church. Uh, they yeah. hosted at their house and they're very, very religious attendees and committed to, to the church, the church body and serving and everything. But just to take it back even a little bit further, Noah, when would you say, and this is maybe getting in your testimony a little bit, but when would you say that you became saved? Like, when did you grasp the idea of the gospel and decide to commit your life to Christ? Um, do you want the, like, the actual, like, conceptual understanding, or do you want the, I got taken into a back room and prayed a prayer? That sounds very, those are two different very like, a, a dangerous scenario there, taken into a back room, so maybe... <laughs> I went into it, voluntarily went into a back room and prayed. He got drugged into the back room and said, "No, that that that, that gets you must commit dangerous territory right there." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully we don't do that. Everybody is converted to Christianity. Uh, no, I'm I'm just kidding. Please, but no, please. No, the actual answer, um, the true answer, when you like when you decided independently, I understand what's at stake, and I I want to choose Jesus for my for my life. Probably a little bit after I decided to start serving when I really was able to understand like what was going on. Because when I prayed that prayer in I, I said I wrote down it was either second or third grade. When I prayed that prayer, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And so obviously second and third grade, you don't have much comprehension of spiritual topics, let alone basically anything else that's going on in the world around you. So I was just like, oh, do you want to be saved? And I was like, yeah, sure, yeah. So we went back. Very clearly, I voluntarily decided to go back into a room, and we prayed the prayer. Um, but I didn't really understand what I was getting into until 2020. Um, might have even been 21 when I decided, yeah, this is something that is important and I should pursue. Right. Um so going up, growing up in school, this is something that Peter and I have talked about quite a bit on on True North in the past. Is kind of just like some of the things you face as a Christian in school, and how you're kind of seen because you you are a man of faith. So, given the fact that you didn't, you really didn't fully commit internally until 2020, 2021-ish, um, and I guess that's when you were kind of coming into high school, pretty much. What did you yeah, see? Yeah, that was in high school. How did that affect your your environment and just some of your interactions with your, you know, fellow students? It, well, seventh and eighth. So our school district, we do. Um, and Joe, you know this because you attended um, our school district for a while. Um, we do a junior high system. So they, for whatever reason, decided it would be a great idea to put seventh and eighth graders together. Um, and you know, kids those age are just awful awful people and they're just the biggest like look at me they they act like they own the world and i was and i was kind of one of them and so when i really um committed my life to christ um it took me a second to realize 
that I'm around a world of just some of the darkest things that I could have ever imagined. Mm. And I guess that's kind of coming in to like realization now as I'm preparing for college. Um, because I didn't have like a ton of friends that did like, I guess you would call it, you could put it under an umbrella term of like bad things. But yeah. I was kind of, sh- I, I didn't really venture into any of that stuff. And I don't know if that was a religious thing or if that was just a, I just decided that wasn't for me. Um, but it took, it took a while to realize this is what the people that, as we call the world, this is the worldly view. And this is the difference that, um, we as Christians have kind of have, and this is things that we don't necessarily want to do as Christians or, um, it goes against the word of God. Um, and it took, yeah, it took a while to really realize that because also ninth grade people aren't doing like the normal high school student stuff until they get to around like sophomore year because coming in as a freshman i mean you're nobody wants fresh to be as the term yeah 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 <laughs> nobody yeah especially during covid year where everybody was emo and they we were all wearing masks nobody knew what each other looked like yeah that's and we also too. went so in what, cohorts what is that freshman year for you for the covid yeah freshman year was the covid well my eighth grade year was when they canceled and then um, freshman year was COVID, so that was they. That was a dark time. Um, yeah, isolation. Not much interaction. Yeah, well, and also we went in. Um, we went in cohorts, so half of the kids would go to school um, on Monday and Tuesday, and then do virtual the rest of the week. And then the other half of the kids would go to school on Thursday and Friday, and do virtual for the rest of that week. So they split the school in half. You really didn't get to see people. I mean, you had friends that you had known for um, quite a while. And I had several, I had a lot of friends that I knew, but I wasn't seeing them as often. And it was also like a, you're not seeing as many people. Everybody's kind of quiet because of the whole situation. So you're just kind of on your own, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that, I think that isolation is something that, I mean, we can get into maybe more in depth later, but I think that's something that caused issues for so many people. I think most people probably oh, during those years of, of especially during the, the COVID years where um, just kind of, you know, by yourself, if you're fortunate to, to be at home with, with family, then you at least had them around you. But, um, you know, other than that, it was very much a time of isolation, which is why it was so, so awful and really kind of destructive in a way. And, I know again we'll probably get into it more of what what that period looked like. I don't want to don't want to interrupt this, you know, this testimony or story here, but I just want to say quickly that if anybody out there is feeling that isolation because it does still happen. This we we still live in a world where, you know, everything that you need from a like physical tangible needs is kind of at your fingertips, you know, if you know if you need to get food, you can order it. You can have it delivered to you. Um, you know, if you need, if yeah, you want to talk to someone, you can even anything. do it. Exactly. You can, you could, even if you do want to get that communication with people, you can get that through texting or calling somebody. And, you know, I think ultimately the best way to communicate is being with somebody in person, being able to see the expression on their face, being able to hear really the tone in their voice, which you can kind of hear over a phone call, but not, not really, you can't really see how they're actually like, you know, feeling or whatever. So, 
yeah, I just, I think that isolation caused so many issues and I think it's important to, to just emphasize the importance of if you're feeling that, that isolation, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out to somebody and yeah, get, especially, get the help that you need. Especially as a person that's like an, like me, that's extroverted, that kind of feeds off of um, interaction, social interaction, somebody that can't, I can't go a day without talking to somebody. So especially during that COVID time and a lot of time, like nowadays as well, if you're an extroverted person and you're kind of isolated, it can be really difficult and you can start really feeling down or depressed like I did. Yeah. I kind of, I kind so, of want to ask on that. And maybe this is the direction that you were going in. What, what did maybe, and, and obviously only share as much as you're willing or comfortable in sharing, but if, if you're willing to share, what did, what did that kind of spiral look like? What were, what were some of the things that you saw kind of pop up just, you know, again, for, for maybe our listeners out there who are starting to go through a period like that or starting to feel that, what are some of the, what were some of the signs of that for you? Or what do you, what do you think maybe are some of the general signs that, you know, if you're starting to experience this, it's important to, to reach out and, and get the help that that's needed. Yeah. So kind of during the COVID time, and I'm going to share, um, probably some things that most people at the church haven't heard before. So I'm, I'm really opening up here for you guys, but appreciate um, it. And obviously to yeah, me, for real. only whatever you want to share. I do remember exactly in your yeah. testimony, you're, you bought, you got pretty vulnerable in your testimony, but, uh, Yeah. Yeah, and that was the first that was the first time that anybody outside of like people that I knew at school and that I had talked to really heard about what was going on. I'm sure my parents suspected it, but they never really got that confirmation until I went up, got um baptized and had Greg, shout out to Greg, reading the testimony and um I had a friend of mine Ashton come up to me um he he also got baptized with us. He came up to me afterwards and he was like, dude, I was shocked. I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, because I can put on a face just as good as anybody else. But um, I was really going through it. So yeah, I just quickly want to shout out too, because Noah and I got baptized together. Um, you talked about Greg and, you know, Trevor, and we are really just are blessed to have such great um, leaders in our church and men who, oh, 100%. who are servant hearted and they do take the time and, and I mean, lay down their lives in, in a lot of ways for our church and for young people. And for me and Noah, I mean, I've, you know, I, I've experienced some hardships and having our community and, and guys like Greg and, and Ryan James and, you know, um, Trevor too. It just, we're very blessed to have them. So shout out to them real quick. I just want to make sure we, we did that. Yeah. Especially, especially Eric, who I'm oh, yeah. lucky Eric enough to be related sure. to. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, really before that, cause this was 22, right? I'm trying to remember. Call yeah, back summer to 22, this. yep. Summer 22. So really kind of how this whole death spiral, as I would consider it, started. Um, back in 2019, um, and this is this is something that I haven't really shared with a lot of people, but, you know, what the heck. Mm-hmm. So um, 2019, I play, there's this game um, that, I, I think I've told Joe a little bit about this, um, there's this game um, that you might see on like the App Store. Or it's it's like a silly little mobile game. It's called Geometry Dash. Peter, you ever you ever heard of this game? You played it at all? No, but I can picture it. Was it kind of almost like a cool math type game? I wonder. 
No, that is no. Like a, not what it is. Kind of like an old okay. Super Mario style runner game with like, okay, I don't know. It's yeah, kind of it's a weird way to describe it. I have played it a lot though. I'm sure a lot of people listening yeah. to it are familiar. Yeah, it's one of the more it's one of the most popular like mobile games um, mm-hmm. out there. And I I was introduced to it um, through a friend that used to go to our life group because um, all the kids would always go down to the basement, and he was like, "Hey, you should check out this game, Geometry Dash." And I started playing it. I got really good at it. And it turns out there's a huge, dedicated, devoted community towards Geometry Dash. And I was like, this is this is sick. So I get on Discord, um, and I sign, I sign up for Discord. I signed up for Discord a lot earlier than I was allowed to because I didn't know about <laughs> privacy laws and all that. So when I was 11 years old, I had a Discord account. And I had no idea that you had to be 13 to use Discord and I would end up getting banned from servers because I'd be like, yeah, I'm 11 years old. And they would be like, oh, well, you're violating the terms of service. And I'm like, what is a terms of service? Um, right. Yeah. But eventually, when I when I got to the age of 13, I was getting involved with this community. Um, and it was kind of early set. Um, I jumped onto Twitter as well because they had a huge they have a huge Twitter um, presence. And really, this community was kind of what started the death spiral um, because I was more focused on forming friendships and relationships with the people that I saw on my screen rather than people actually around me. And especially because this was COVID time and when you didn't get a lot of social interaction, everybody was just kind of chilling and relaxing. Like we would do in our gym class, my freshman year, um, we had, like we would walk around the gym um i guess it would be the field we would walk around the field house uh before we actually got started and i would be on my phone texting people that i had met on discord um Mm. and that was kind of what i started to do um but the the community really really sucked and it was like they were some of they're really engraved with like what's going on in the world and what basically everything that the Christian person isn't. And so when you look into this community, um, one thing that I saw was a lot of people are like e-dating. A lot of people are um, gay or trans or bisexual. A lot of people are um, seeing how women are being treated and they're saying, hey, I want a piece of that pie. I want to get in on that. Um, So they decide, yeah, I'm going to transition to being a woman um, without like actually believing that, only doing it for attention, mm. and um, obvious, obviously, the thought of having an intimate relationship with text on a screen is just bonkers to me. Like I don't, I never understood how that was a thing that you could do. Um, so I, I was kind of inv- I was involved in the community a lot, and I, I did kind of get sucked into some of that. Um, and it's one of the things where I was like, I can't believe that in this part of my life that I did any of this stuff. And um, just, to, just to clarify, you mean you got involved in like like the e dating thing, or what specifically? Yeah, a little a little bit of that. Um, because you were obviously young, at that you were what thirteen, I was like fourteen, fifteen, and at that age, I was like, what? I. I mean, obviously, I look back and I'm bashing myself. I'm like, what am I doing? Um, but at the same time, we're deprived of social interaction and we're deprived of 
intimate interaction. Like I, I was at the age where I thought I would never get a girlfriend or never have a girl ever want to be within 50 feet of me. Um, but yeah, you, you go ahead. I was just, I was going to ask like what that looked like. Well, were you texting somebody all the time and you thought, you know, you had this relationship online or what was the, yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of how it went. It would be like a, as if you, if you're looking forward to texting like a girl that you're into on Snapchat, that would be texting a person that I was into on Discord. Um, okay. And I'm trying to think. Like, it was a thing. It was you? a thing that it was where did like. That lead? Oh boy. Right. Um. It kind of, it, it got me more sucked into like the virtual. I guess you could call it a virtual world, and mm-hmm. what that was. What that was kind of all about and i kind of shut out the real world and this was about 2020 when trevor was when trevor first asked me to join the media team and so i didn't have like instagram or snapchat or anything like that um all i had was discord and i would be talking to these people that i would meet on discord and i it took me a while but i ended up realizing that what i was involved with was not was not beneficial towards me or anyone else. Um, and I did mention this to Joe, and this is going to take a surprisingly dark turn. Um, but a person that I had met on there, I was not like, I was just a friend of theirs. Um, but they were like, I, I forget what it, what was going on. They were talking and they said something and Twitter, the Twitter community didn't like it. So they just started harassing them and bombarding them with hate and they ended up killing themselves. And so that's when I really took a step back and I realized, what am I getting into? And so I think it was towards the end of my freshman year, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get Instagram. I'm going to get Snapchat. I'm going to start talking to people in the real world, see if I can get out of this like complete death spiral that I'm involved in. And it worked. And now, um, like two or three years later, I'm completely out of that saga and i look back and i'm like what was i thinking like i can't believe i would do anything this stupid so did you have at that point in your life when you were heavily on into the the virtual world you could say um what did your social life look like in real life did you have any friends oh it was almost it was almost non-existent okay i did have friends um but we i had this one friend who we rode the bus together and we would see each other, I think, the very first class of the day and then the very last class of the day. And that was really the only time that we got to talk to each other. And that was really the only friend that I had, like, in person. Like, there would be other people that I would just, like, gradually have a conversation with. Um, but other than that, he was really the only person that I actively talked to in the real world. Right. So... That was that probably not a healthy situation for you. I mean, you didn't. You need no, not at all. <laughs> we we all need human interaction. Um, so, would you say that when you joined the media team and started serving at church, that was like the tipping point and things started going in a, in a good direction? Yeah, it kind of opened my eyes to like what was going on, and as I started as I started to get more and more involved, I would start in I would start to hear more and more of the gospel. Um, and, you know, I mentioned this in my testimony. I never stopped believing in God altogether. I always knew that somehow everything had to get here. But at the same time, it was like, 
I don't know if I want to dedicate my time into this. And then as I got more and more involved and as I heard more of the gospel, I was like, oh, the I know it's a point that Christians beat to death, but it's the creator of the universe that wants to have a personal relationship with me and wants um, mm-hmm. to accept mm-hmm. wants me to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Um, and if I do that, then I can spend the rest of eternity um, in heaven worshiping him. And, and that's just an awesome thing. And it's it's a point that I say it's been beaten to death, but I say we keep beating it to death because it's, it's one of the most mm-hmm. important things that you could ever possibly hear in your life. Um, it changed my life. And it, it could probably change a lot of people's lives as well. Amen. Yeah. yeah and, and, and something that I wanted to ask about, um, you know, you mentioned kind of just seeing the, the evidence with, with the one thing that, that you shared about the, about the person who, who, you know, committed suicide. But what was, if you, if you could describe, how would you kind of describe, you know, that conscience that was there to kind of help you realize that this was something that you needed to pull away from? What did, what did that look like? You know, was it was it things maybe that people said to you that you knew? Um, was it was it messages that you heard in church? Was it just this like tugging at your heart? How would you describe kind of that call away from that destructive spiral? Yeah, um, around that time, I was the time that I decided it was the end of my freshman year. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get more involved with the people around me because um, my biology class that I had. Um, I met this group of friends and we would hang out and, um, well, not like after school, but we would, we would really, we really hit it off in class and we would do projects together. We would do a bunch of stuff together. Um, and eventually towards the end of the year, I was like, I'm going to get Snapchat. I'm going to add all these people on Snapchat and I'm going to see how that goes. Um, and just, you know, kind of make more friends in the outside world. And as that was kind of happening, um, that was kind of part of it that was opening my eyes to, you know, I don't have to get involved with any of this stuff online. And then when that whole situation took place um, with the person that um, unfortunately killed themselves due to the harassment, um, mm-hmm. that was really like a, all right, I need to get out. Like, I, I don't I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I need to, this, this is something that I need to step away from. This is something that I need to... Um, I guess I guess you could say it's a sin that I needed to repent of, but um, at the same, it was like I just can't. It was something that I just had to step back and go, no, I can't do this anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. I. I so when I joined New Life, um, when I started going to our church, um, I met Noah, and I, I didn't really. I I didn't think that you were really. You know, you seem very social. You seem mentally healthy. Um, so I think I might have come into the picture maybe after you started going up on the on the uptrend with your uh, just overall, you know, mental well-being and um, just social health and all that. Um, but something that stuck out to me from meeting Noah is, um, you know, you always had a servant's heart and enjoyed mm-hmm. serving. And that's something I did, too. Um, you know, my my perspective, my situation coming from outside new life is, you know, I described it in my testimony. I don't know if you might remember this, but I never really went to, to a church my whole life just because I was in a split household and we kind of bounced around. We never really settled in anywhere. And it felt like I was lost in a sea of worldliness and that I was like the only one practicing my faith. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious in your perspective too, because I know when I went to high school, you know, I, I felt like 
kind of excluding, I guess, my senior year at Liberty Christian, which is a Christian school. When I went to Pickerington, um, I definitely felt like I was one of the only ones who actually cared about my faith. So I'm curious, with you having been involved in serving and, and being in the church um, during those crucial high school years and you're a teenager, um, how did that affect like your friends at school? Like, did, Was there any effect on your relationships that you witnessed um, having that faith established, having that servantness I don't even know if that's a word, but you're having the serving established as a habit. Serving um, capabilities or something. Yeah, I mean, did you, ones. I mean, you can be honest too. I don't, I don't know, you know, no judgment at all, but were you like vocal about your faith at school and did others know that you were a man of God or because of things you wouldn't say or do, or is it kind of a thing in, with your experience in high school that you didn't really say much about it? Like, did that affect your relationships at all? Um, so this is one thing that I, if I could go back, I would be like, all right, this is kind of like I didn't really do a great job of handling this. But um, seventh and eighth, seventh and eighth grade, I, I was talking about junior high and the types of kids in junior high. Um, you're around a lot of like swearing and sexual innuendo, all sorts of talk like that, and that's something that I picked up and still have not dropped. Like that is still a problem that I have. Um, and it's it's kind of sad because it's gotten to a point too where if I'm around people that I know are in the church, if I'm at church, if I'm at home, I have the most perfect filter um, that you'll ever possibly hear. Like I'm I'm the I'm the good boy at at church is what you could say. But as soon as I step outside those boundaries, if I'm at school, if I'm at work, if I'm talking to somebody, you really hear like what I guess you could call it the public school like. Yeah. infection i don't know what it jargon. i don't know what it is jargon yeah but hmm. it's one thing that i'm like i know this is bad but it's something that i can't um and i've i've thought about it i've been like why like why why do i say these things why do i like make these jokes that i make or why why am i like this and it's it, it's like once you pick up a habit it's hard to stop and so hmm. When I'm at when I'm at school, um, I did proclaim my faith quite a bit, but also at the same time, they're looking at somebody who's swearing, dropping f bombs, um, not as yeah. often as some of the other kids would. I've heard some kids that swear quite a bit, um, but you look at a kid that says the kind of stuff that I do, and it's like, are you really sure that um, you're a Christian? But I have had these conversations with people, and um, it's one of those things as to where, you know, I actually brought that, that friend I was telling you about, I had a really um, deep conversation with him one night over kind of the gospel. Cause he said, you know, I believe that all, all this stuff happened. I'm just not sure. I forget exactly the contents of the conversation, but I've had those conversations with people that are like, well, yeah, this is what happened. Um, this is what the Bible says. This is what God's word says. Um, and this is what I believe. Um, and it was one of the things that I made it clear that, yeah, this is this is my faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I serve the Lord at my church. Um, what you hear from me at school is a sin that I have picked up. Um, and unfortunately, to this day, I continue to um, fall short. But uh, but yeah, they were very they were pretty aware of my faith, and honestly, for the most part, they respected it. 
it was kind of a, you know, um, you have your, you have your beliefs and I have mine. Um, I have tried to have the conversation with a couple people. Like, what do you really believe? Um, like, what do you, where do you think like the existential questions? Like, where do you think we come from? Or what do you, where are you going to go when you die or something like that? But, um, yeah, really those, everybody at school knew, um, that I was a Christian and a lot of people call themselves Christians as well. Um, and I do genuinely think that a lot of them were a lot of, I do think that a lot of them were Christians. Um, but at the same, but at the same time, like what we picked up at school and the things that you would hear that you could hear us say at school, I was like, man, is this guy really, is he really proclaim his faith or something like that? Yeah. And and that's, I mean, that's, that's a challenge that I dealt with in high school as well. I mean, it was, you know, I felt like I would get the comments cause I, I wouldn't curse much. Um, you know, I played baseball at, at Pickerington and a lot of the baseball guys, you know how that, how the crowd is with sports, you know, they're, they're dudes oh. in high school. If you've ever, if you've ever heard a baseball, an MLB manager go off on a referee, you know <laughs> oh, how baseball, or if you've just, or if you've just been inside of a dugout, <laughs> Any dugout. If you've I been mean, in you, any sporting, any dugout. Yeah. If if you've been in anywhere room, in public, whatever. Yeah. Like that word. And, and oh I think, my word. Uh, right. And I think I think what I'm taking away from this too is, yeah, there are there are battles that we all continue to fight through. You know, there are certain sins that are we're just more susceptible to, and that are things that are maybe easier to fall into. But I think the fact that you know, you have this conviction in your heart is what's important. And it's like, you know, if, if every time that you do it, you're like feeling this again, and it's not guilt. Joe and I have talked about this before, but it's a conviction. It's a healthy conviction of understanding that what you did is wrong and you need to repent and fix that. But, but ultimately it is also something where, you know, you can't excuse it. There, there's, there's a fine line to walk between just excusing a sin and be like, Oh, we're all sinners. We're all going to sin versus having the mindset of what I did was wrong and I need to do everything not just in my power but most importantly in the power that God grants to us to overcome that sin and to continue working on that because it is a process too when when something like you said has become ingrained as a habit it takes time and it takes practice and it takes repetition just like any skill breaking any sort of habit it takes that time and as long as you're in a place where it is getting better over time and where you're in this journey of going along and being like, yeah, I need to repent from this. I need to fix this. I think that's, I think that's what's most important. And I think that's what everybody listening should, should take away from, from that part of this conversation. Because if we're continuing to take the steps to improve, I mean, it's, it's not always looking at the end goal and being like, it is important to check yourself with this every once in a while and be like, at the end of this goal, I want to, no longer curse at all, for example. But I think it's also important so that you don't get discouraged or feel overwhelmed by the process of just like, did I, was I better today than I was yesterday? Did I, did I, you know, when I had the situation where I could have used a curse word, did I avoid using it and being like, okay, if I did, then I'm continuing to take the right steps in the process. So I think again, it's a very positive thing that you are feeling that on your heart, understanding that, that when you do curse, you know, it, it, dishonors the Lord and, um, is just, is, is wrong in the Lord's eyes. But having that, having that conviction again is, I think the, the best thing possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's a process. It's like quitting smoking Mm -hmm. is what it is because it's, you have to, you have to kind of gradually bring it down. And that's something that I've worked on and I've noticed a little bit of a improvement. I mean, obviously seventh and eighth grade, it's every other word because you think you're so cool doing that. Hmm. Um, and as you kind of, as you kind of mature, it gradually goes down. And I, um, I kind of punch myself every day. I'm like, why am I saying the kind of things that I say? Why am I like this? Um, and it's something that I have to continue to work on. Um, but also we can, we can kind of draw all this back to the point of like the whole depression thing, because it's kind of the same process for this as well. Hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that depression is a sin, um, but the Bible does say in Philippians 4, 6, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, made known to God. So mm-hmm. kind of as a part of this, um, just how quitting swearing is a process, and it's something that we really need to pray about, something that we need to um, take a look, examine ourselves. Um, it's the same time with depression and anxiety, and um, we can really examine ourselves um, we might do it a little bit differently because um, being depressed is something the Bible says you're going to be depressed at some point. Um, everybody's going to feel down. and um, But also um, John 16 um, verse 33 um, says, in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so that's something that's um, really kept me going is the fact that, you know, I have God, well, not I, what? God has kind of <laughs> overcome the world um, in a sense Amen. that you say. And, um, and kind of the fact that no matter how you feel um, at the end of a given day, um, there's this, the, the again, the creator of the universe loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. And there's nothing that could ever top that. Um, so I can give you, I'll give you guys the opportunity to talk because I do want to mention, um, after you say something, I do want to mention uh, something that I wanted to share. Okay. Yeah. Real quick, uh, just real really... quick, Joe, and then I, I just have a quick passage, real quick. Unless you had a, a quick thought that that kind of ties into what what Noah was saying just then. Yeah, I, I want to say something real quick, and it's it's like yeah. the underlying root to, you know, cursing around other people or just conforming to the behavior of others. I, I think like a good way to approach this and look at this, Noah, and I know, you know, you're 17. You, you seem a lot, I can't believe you're only 17, honestly. Like I, I every right. time I talk, yeah. I'm like, this dude seems like he's in college already, but, um, yeah. So not yet we're getting there. Yeah. But something you're going to notice as you get older and as you go through the maturing process of like forming friends in college and, you know, as you move away from some of the high school friends and just as you move along in life, your circle is going to get smaller and smaller. That's just how it is. And something you'll notice is that, but also those small tighter habits, and tighter. Yeah, but in a yeah, good way. It's way. it's supposed to be, and that's something I shared in my testimony. Right. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, basically saying it's better to have one close, good, um, uh, you know, a, a good friend who has good character and and is dependable and and trustworthy than to have ten people who are. Maybe fun to be around sometimes and, and have a good time, but they're they're gonna ultimately drag you more toward the world than you're gonna drag them toward God. And yeah, that you know that's something that important. you know you're lucky to have worldly friends if 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 they respect your religion and your faith, that's great. And and that's probably an anomaly because the Bible tells us, and and you'll learn this through experience, that the world will hate you for your faith. And you know if you have somebody. Yeah. 
I learned this the hard way in my life. I, I was very had a very, very close friend who ultimately, you know, was not faithful to God. And if you place your trust in those people and they're very, very close to you and they don't have the faith in God, the likelihood that they might, you know, breach that trust or disrespect you when it really matters or something like that is very high. So that's why, you know, Jesus talks about assessing your circle quite a bit and making sure that people around you are are worth being around you or, or else they might drag you toward their behavior. I just think that's a good mm-hmm. important thing to say to, to just like add in there, whether it's cussing or whatever the behavior is, the habit, you know, it's, I think it's important to assess the people around you. And even though, you know, it might, it might be tough, but even if they're fun to be around sometimes, if you notice a trend that they're ultimately dragging you in one direction, cause, cause oftentimes it's it's more often than not that they're going to drag you toward the world than you are going to drag them toward God. Um, it's just something to assess and reflect on for all of us. And it's, it's something that I right. I've learned. I'm I'm continually learning. But yeah, I just wanted to add that, Peter. I don't know if you yep, wanted to yeah. take it from there. Yeah, and just real quick on on what you were talking about, Joe, because I had something else from from when I was talking about specifically with the with the depression and you know just how that maybe could be considered a sin or, you know, just that dynamic, but kind of something that I just jotted down because I wanted to make sure that I, that I didn't forget it is kind of, you know, it's basically what you were saying, but in a good way to kind of maybe boil it down to remember it is better one brother in Christ than about bounty of worldly friends. I think emphasizing yeah. that, you know, the, the quality over quantity of friends is, is the most important thing. Um, but, but then talking about talking about this idea of depression being a sin, I, I, do agree with that. Um, I think the way that you said it was really good. I think this, I, I think ultimately though, it, it is, again, it's okay to have that depression. It's, it's not a sin to have feelings where, you know, times, times are tough in life and you just feel, you feel down about it. And, and I think David it, throughout the Psalms does a really good job of kind of showing what we are supposed to do. And ultimately that, that what we do first and foremost is we take it to the Lord he says here, uh, I'm assuming it's David, it might be another author, but Psalm 6, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, lo- O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, which I believe is the term for hell or, or death and destruction, who yeah. will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. Grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And so I think that is just kind of hits the nail on the head for how we should express our depression to the Lord. And, and it doesn't have to be word, wordy and all that like this is. It can be as simple as what he, what he says here early on. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me for my bones are troubled. Sometimes it's it's as simple as that, just offering up that prayer to him when we have those feelings. And and for me, you know, I, I think it is it is similar. You know, we were kind of talking a little bit before this episode, Joe and I, about, you know, the connection between anxiety and depression. I think this is an example where, you know, it does it feels like languishing, whether you're anxious or depressed, it can feel like you're languishing or like your bones and your soul is greatly troubled. 
And I think this is just a, a beautiful reminder of how to present that request to God and how he ultimately he hears our plea and he accepts our prayer and he provides healing from that and relief in the time of great stress. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, and something else I would add to onto that is, you know, or a multitude of other struggles like, you know, medical or hardships or death, death in your family or, or something you're going to go through, you know, God will never burden you with more than you can handle. And like, it's important to, to realize, I think a lot of people don't think about life like this, but especially as men, like we know all the way going back to Adam and Eve that we were cursed to work for whatever we have in life. Like we, we have to toil and work hard for even to, to even to eat. That was the curse of mankind when we fell and just it kind of accepting as a base condition of life, a level of suffering, just accepting that I think can help remedy a lot of, you know, depression and just, you know, people that they have expectations that life is just supposed to be sunshine and rainbows and flowery at all <laughs> times. Like the reality is a man is that you're going to have to work. Boat. Right. It, you know, you're going to have to work to, to do anything. You're going to have to work very hard to provide a house for, over your roof, uh, a roof over your head for your family, um, to, to provide food on the table. And, and especially if you desire success in this life, it's going to take a lot of hard, very hard work and, and sacrifice. And I think accepting that base condition of sacrifice and suffering of life can help remedy some of those things. But I also think we have a burden and, and a responsibility as individuals and believers to like, you know, we have a choice. Like, how are we going to react to our circumstances? And taking it back to the Rocky quote, Peter, you just said, <laughs> you know, it's not about how many times you can get, you, you get hit. It's about how many times you can get hit and keep moving forward. <laughs> keep moving forward. You know, we're going to get hit with a lot of crap in life, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of death, a lot of sin. But we all have a choice and we all have a responsibility to not let that get the best of us and to keep moving forward. And I think that message alone can help with a good amount of mental health situations. But, you know, whether it's environmental conditions or even the food we eat nowadays is, is designed, it has ingredients that can affect our mental health. So we have to be very aware of everything in our lives, but especially, yeah, that choice inside of us and, and coming back to your faith, I think is, is the paramount way to address, um, you know, especially depression and anxiety, but, um, Noah, do you have any, any other thoughts on that or final thoughts you want to wrap up kind of this, uh, this discussion? Yeah. And, um, one of the things that I wanted to mention, I don't want to go too much into it because, um, it, it, it it's a whole, it's a conversation for a whole nother, whole nother day. Um, but to your point, um, where you and Peter were talking about how the one close friend is much better than the 10 worldly um, friends around you. That's something that I also struggle with is finding the right people to put your trust in um, because it's important that, you're, that your trust is grounded in somebody who is spiritually grounded. Um, if you put your trust in somebody who is not spiritually grounded and grounded in the world, it's going to be a lot harder to pull yourself out of. Um Oh yeah, and that's, so, that's a dangerous. That's a very precarious position to be in. Yeah, when you have when you have somebody that you put your trust in that is not necessarily a believer, and that's something that I do struggle with as well. Because I look and see people that um, I because the whole thing about school was that I see these people five days a week. I trust them more often because I've seen them more often, and I chat with them more often. I'm texting them after school. I'm talking with them 
um, basically any opportunity that I get. And that's kind of the issue that has come up um, as, and also because you don't necessarily know how loyal they are to you. Um, and again, it's something that I'm just going to try to brush over real quick so that we can, um, we can move forward. Um, but trust issues is another big thing. Um, and it's kind of a result of me not getting in involved with the right people, so to speak. Um, and it's one of the things, and it's one thing my mom always pesters me like, why don't you go to these events with your church friends? Why don't you go to people, um, people that go to church? Why don't you invite them to go do stuff together? Um, and I think that whole purpose of why I didn't see them, like I only saw them once a week compared to when I saw these people five days a week. Um, and the whole trust issues thing formed as a result of, I don't know if I can trust these people. They um, let me down all the time because also they see hundreds of other people a day. It's not just me. Whereas if you're in a church family, you're more tightly connected. Um, you've got more people in your circle kind of, and you also have that common ground of... Um, being grounded in the word and being a follower of Christ that you wouldn't necessarily have with other people around you um, at school, or I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's very rare to see that. So when these people like they flick out on you, if you go to an event and they go off with other people, um, you know, I, I got cheated on um, in a relationship and it was one of the things that really made me question why am I putting my trust in the people that are not grounded spiritually. And um, it's one of those things that's kind of led me back to, you know, maybe my mom was right in saying, you know, why don't you hang out with your church friends more often? Because those church friends, um, we kind of have that common ground. We're more tightly knit and connected. And I can trust that the people like you, um, people like Tasia, Trevor, Elliot, Ashton, they won't do this kind of thing that flake out on you. Obviously, none of them are going to cheat on me. That'd be a problem for... Um, <laughs> Well, that'd be yeah. a whole nother problem, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's, it's a thing of, there's a, tr there's a level of trust there that I just can't have with anybody outside because I don't know what they're going to do in the future. I don't know how they really feel. I don't know who else is around them. I don't know what they're doing. So, but yeah, that the point about having that one close friend is really important and where that friend comes from. Um, obviously to the listener, if they're listening and you kind of in this similar situation, my advice to you would just be build a solid foundation of friends inside the church that you really trust. Well, number and, one, go it's a bad church, thing. right? Join a church. Yeah. To begin right. Go to yeah, church. If you're not already if you're involved, not, if yeah. you're not going go to, to church, church. Yeah. First step I mean, there. That's, whole, that's another topic. Uh, the Bible does say, if you're not in a church community, you're, you can't really consider yourself. I, you can't. Oh yeah. Do, whole, do not forsake the fellowship but, of believers. Yeah. Yeah, like you can't really call yourself a believer and not go to church because that community aspect is not there. But yeah, but yeah, to your guys's point, having that tightly knit um, group of friends around you at church. Not saying you can't have friends outside of church because that would be that's that's kind of a bad idea to not have friends outside of church. But make sure those friends inside of church are the ones that you trust the most, the ones that you can go to with those people, and the um, the ones that you kind of spend the most time with. So that yeah. you're grounded spiritually as to where you can have friend you have friends outside of the church and you're just kinda of hanging out with them, but there's also the understanding of, yeah, I have I have beliefs, I'm grounded in my beliefs, and yeah, that's kinda of what I wanted to mention there. 
Yeah, I yeah, think another one thing. way that I would describe on Friends real quick is it's almost like, especially regarding friends that are Christians versus friends that aren't. I would say it's almost like being. I feel like I'm trying to describe this in a way that would work. I think this might. It's almost like being like a bucket drawing water from a well. Like we need to be that bucket that provides that life giving water, the word of God to non-believers, but we can't let their, I'll say dryness, like dryness in like a desert or something like that, or in parched crops. We can't let them influence us. Exactly. We can't allow them to dry us up, but then eventually if you're just pouring yourself just out to, to non-believers, you're eventually going to run dry yourself. And so we need those people who we can go back to when we need, because we do have needs as people. I know a lot of times, this is actually something we talked about in church this morning, interestingly enough, and a lot of times, especially as men, we're kind of called to, we're, we're kind of told to like, not like, I don't know, almost in a sense, like not get help from other people. Like, you you know, do everything on your own. But ultimately, if you do that, you're going to dry up. You're going to get tired out. You're going to be kind of kicked to the curb. People tell you. Exactly. And then you're, you're not going to have anybody to to help you when you're dried up or to pick you up when you get knocked down. And so I think that's why it's so important to have a group that that you like you said, that you truly can trust and that you can rely on in those situations because they provide that guidance when you need it that advice when you need it just the support when you're feeling down and when you feel like you need somebody there to just kind of put a hand on your back and say you know it's all going to be all right the lord is watching out for you and so i think that's that's important and again you you need to do both because otherwise using the bucket analogy like we're not fulfilling our purpose if we're not going out and witnessing to people who are not in christ so i, I do think both are necessary like like you said and i think that's that's why it's so important to to do to do both to have people that you can draw from and to people that you can kind of pour out you know the word of god to yeah um you know there's only it's like the, the best way to describe you know designing and, and choosing the people around you i think is like you know first of all you have to have a, a strong relationship with god that's number one you can't love anybody else fully until you love god and, yeah. you know, the idea should not be like, Noah, you, you said like, you know, you, you can trust those people that are at your church community. They wouldn't do those things to you. And in most scenarios, yes, that's true. You know, you, you can trust people in the church, but you know what? There, there are also some, some wolves in sheep's clothing sometimes. But the beauty is that God's word and, and the structure of the church is designed in a way that if you do everything you're supposed to do and, you know, you join a church community, you have good people around you. And most of those people are trustworthy, but one of them lets you down. At that point, you just throw your hands up and say, Lord, I, I did what I could, and this person let me down. But it's not like I can blame myself. Whereas if you have worldly friends and they are your close confidants, they're your, your main circle, and they betray you, it's almost like you should expect that because that's what God's word tells us is that yeah, these like people— what were, you th- what were you thinking? Yeah, that's your decision because you're deciding to associate with these people. Whereas if somebody lets you down in the, in the church— there's really not much you can do at that point because you did everything you're supposed to do and you trust God that, you know what, Matthew 6.33, everything works for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. So even somebody doing something wrong to you, whether it's a worldly guy, a person or uh, somebody in the church, as a believer, ultimately everything that we perceive as bad in our life does lead to better things. That's the beauty in it. But it's our decision, it's our it's our responsibility to to design our life in a way that God tells us this is going to most likely, most often lead to great results for you is that you can have people around you that share a common moral framework. You know, the people that are not in the church, they don't share that same moral framework of 
you should never do this to somebody. They don't care. At that point, humanity, you know, we are all human beings that in our flesh, our desire is for ourselves. That's all we care about. So just underneath, you know, the baseline foundational undercurrent behind this, this idea that we're talking about is that, is that the word of God provides the map, the roadmap for us, kind of a common theme here on True North Talk, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a callback, isn't it? Map yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> I know there's a like, there's a couple like offshoot topics and I, I still think in the future we're going to have Noah back on to talk about maybe faith yep. and this, the connection between faith and sports, but just for time's sake, I want to kind of reel us in here and, and probably going to wrap it up here. Right. Um, but, but no, we have a tradition here in True North Talk um, to, to pray and wrap up in a prayer at the ending of the episode. Uh, there's no yep. pressure whatsoever, but I mean, would you like to, to maybe lead us off in, in closing prayer here? I'd be honored. Sure. Yeah. And just you, awesome. no pressure. You, you can keep it basic if you want or take it however you want, but I think it'd be really cool if you did that. All righty. Cool. Well, in that case, let's pray together. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord, we are uh, so thankful for this opportunity um, to get together um, as men that follow you and to just have a conversation about um, important topics like uh, depression and anxiety and overcoming them through our faith in you, Lord. And, um, you know, it can be hard um, to talk about these things. It can be hard to kind of um, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I just pray that um, you are with us um, at all times and that you would um, continue to guide us in your ways um, and that when we um, stray off the path, you would guide us back onto the path, that you would give us the wisdom um, to choose the people that are grounded spiritually um, as our close confidants. And I thank you for everything that you have um, created in this world. Thank you for the um, communities that you have put around the three of us um, as we continue to go out. And um, I just pray that as we go out um, this week and beyond, um, we would take what we have talked about to heart, and we would really understand um, how we have. Uh, we would really understand um, how we can overcome our depression, anxiety through faith. Um, just thank you for everything, and it's your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, thank you, Noah, for coming on. It's been a really great conversation. I think hopefully today, yeah. people who listened to the episode took something away and and had some some value and. Um, if you guys want to follow Noah on his social media platforms, he's at Noah Divine One on Twitter. Is your Instagram handle the same, Noah? Um, there's a dot between the Noah and the Divine, so it's Noah.Divine One. Noah.Divine One on Instagram and without the dot on Twitter. So You can find me that, rambling about sports on Twitter. Yes, Ohio State specifically. What other, what are you, Brown, well, you're no longer a Browns fan, apparently. <laughs> Given Sorry. up, yeah. But I'm close to that. Though, in general. If they have, if they have losses your, like the ones your... against the Texans, <laughs> yeah. After that that Browns Texans game, that was kind of like a. I'm I'm right I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners, well, I wonder they will hear that. But actually, I, I know uh, this recording is good with yeah. Noah following the and Peter too following the transfer portal. I think uh, Kirky Cousins have him saying. <laughs> well, check out check out my latest my two latest college football talk videos, Buckeye fans. They they're they're making some big moves and I kind of break them down a little bit of a shameless plug right there but kind of had to throw that in there with that. <laughs> yep, and we all have our kind of individual projects working on. Maybe maybe True North Talk can can lead some of those paths together in the future. We'll see. But uh, again, thanks Noah for coming on. Really enjoyed having you. Uh, this is episode seventeen in the books. Make sure you like and rate the podcast on Spotify. With that being said, we'll see you next episode. Peace.
Peace. See you.